name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors at Redemption Hill. Merry Christmas. Uh, very grateful that you're here. I want to do something a little bit different than what we normally do. So this is going to be a shorter sermon. Um, and uh, normally we would stand for the reading of God's word. But I want to invite you this morning to just sit and listen. Uh, if you want to pull out your Bible, we'll be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to grab uh, a Bible on the sides, there should be some in the black boxes there. You're welcome to do so. But I also want to invite you, if you just want to close your eyes, to bow your heads, to hold out your hands, whatever, whatever way you want to posture yourself. I was thinking about this last night. Um, every single day, every single week, you and I are bombarded and flooded with bad news. We turn the TV on, bad news. We, we turn our phones on, bad news, okay? Uh, but we have the opportunity this morning to sit under really, really good news. The greatest news that any of us will ever know. Uh, and we're invited this morning to believe it. Not, not to do anything to earn it, not to work it out or anything like that, but to hear it and receive it. Okay, Christmas is about, is about gift. It's about the giver of the greatest gift uh, any of us could ever possess, any of us could ever receive, and it's not a process, process, it's not a religious system, it's not you being better, becoming a different person or a better person. Okay, Christmas is about the gift of a person. It's about good news. And so I'm going to read Luke chapter 2 to you, 21 verses from Luke 2. I want to invite you, uh, however you can best position yourself to listen to these words in light of all of the Christmas chaos that many of us are walking in, uh, we are invited to do so now. So Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, I'm going to read it. I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and if you could just respond uh, at the end of it by saying, thanks be to God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So let's bow our heads and pray in light of this. This is the word of the Lord. Father, would you bless our time? Uh, We thank you that you are with us now. That in the midst of all of the busyness and, and all of the, the stress and the worry and the joy and the sadness and the light and the darkness and, and all of what this season brings, the, the tension that this season brings in our circumstances and in our hearts, God, thank you that, that unto us, Jesus, you came. And so would you help us now to set our, our gaze upon you Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you love us. Would you, would you stir and grow in us a greater and greater trust in you and love for you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so here's the really good news of the Bible. God came to us that we might once again walk in the garden with him. Yes, Jesus came to offer forgiveness of sins, and he does. To all who would turn from their sin and believe upon him in faith, Jesus declares that our sins are forgiven. Past, present, future sins, completely forgiven. So for all who are in him by faith, Romans 8, 1 says there is therefore now, not later, but now, no condemnation. There is no condemnation for us. We now have peace With God. And forgiveness of sins is an amazing reality, but it's not the totality of what we celebrate at Christmas time. At Christmas time, we have the opportunity to celebrate the reality that over 2,000 years ago, love himself walked among us. That God came to us not just to forgive us of our sins, but to bring us to him. That you and I would have what our hearts long for the most. That we long for hope, we long for joy, we long for peace, and we long for love, and we look for it in all sorts of ways, a myriad of ways. We, we search the earth, as Isaiah chapter 9 would say, for these things. But the good news of the gospel is that uh, we have hope, we have joy, we have peace, and we have the full manifestation of love, not in what we do, but in what has been done for us through a person. And so God came to us that we might once again walk in the garden with him. You and I, friends, were created for friendship with God. This is why you and I exist. So I want to talk for just a few moments uh, in our time together about treasuring Jesus and pondering the incarnation. Treasuring Jesus and pondering the incarnation. So uh, adults, parents, grandparents, kids, the room is filled Uh, with every age group. Praise God for that. As we near Christmas and the end of the year, there is ample opportunity for us to allow the quick passing of time or the unspoken demand of unfinished tasks or the stresses of purchasing gifts, preparing for family, cleaning up the house, uh, providing or having maybe in some of our minds the perfect Christmas experience for our Instagram page. Maybe that's a temptation. Or for the kids, the excitement of gifts. It's really tempting for us, and we have ample opportunity to allow all of these things to take hold of our heart. 
Okay, so maybe for some of us in the room, Christmas brings uh, a lot of nostalgia. Maybe it's good memories. Uh, It's a season of glad tidings and merriment. That's the reality for some, but for others, uh, that's maybe not the case. Maybe you come in this morning and you're not in a season of light, but you feel like you're walking in the midst of darkness. Maybe it's the darkness that you experience as you come to reality, come to terms with what's in your heart. The fear of man, the insecurity, the fear of the future, the anger, the lust, whatever those things are that you and I carry around in our heart, or maybe it's just the darkness of our circumstances. We come in after a year of, of unimaginable loss and pain. Whatever that is, whatever we come in with this morning, I really want us to hone in on one statement from Luke chapter 2, and it's this. For unto us, those in the room, sinners and sufferers of all stripes, people of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds, of all ages, for unto us a child was born. Not just any child. Listen to what the text says. It says, I fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's us. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So who, who is this Savior? One, as the text says, He's the Lord. Can you, I want you for a second, and kids, maybe you can help me with this, okay? Imagine the scene that the shepherds are in. Okay, so these are not well-educated shepherds. These aren't men who went to seminary or, or Bible college or any of those kinds of things. These are shepherds, right? These are blue-collar guys working out in the field, tending their sheep. And I want you to imagine the scene that they're in. As they're out in the middle of the field, a host of heavenly beings, of angels, surrounds them. I mean, think about what that might have been like. Adults, maybe, you know, you and I have the opportunity to use our imaginations a little bit. We've heard this story maybe a thousand times, but imagine what it might have been like to be a shepherd in the middle of the field as a host of heavenly angels surrounds them, proclaiming what you and I were created to proclaim. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. These angels were doing what they were cre- exactly what they were created to do. They were worshiping and praising the one who made them. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This Savior that uh, Luke talks about is the Christ. This is Jesus the Lord. He is God. Jesus is not one of many gods. He himself is God. He is creator. He is, as one of the church fathers, Athanasius, once said, not a being among, among other beings. He is being itself on whom all reality and existence rests and depends. So whether you and I come in this morning and and would consider yourself a Christian or not, this this news, what what this speaks to is the, the, the issue that you and I have, that we were created to worship God, but you and I, in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our sin, have turned away from Him and chosen to pursue worshiping created things over the Creator who is blessed forever. And in our sin and rebellion, we have all, like sheep, gone astray and turned from God. But we we have the opportunity today especially to celebrate love. Love is not just something that God does. Love is something that God is. Okay, God doesn't love in an obligatory sense. He doesn't love because he has to. God doesn't have to love. He loves, he loves because it permeates from the very essence of his being, of who 
He is an in love. God himself has come to be with us and to rescue us. But this isn't only what the passage says about our Savior, that he is God, that Jesus is God. It also says that he came as a baby. He came as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So Jesus is not only God, but he is completely and utterly and fully human. He's utterly human. But he's not a human. He's not a human in the sense that he was a human beset with his own sin. The Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, a, a human, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He is both simultaneously fully God and fully man. And I think maybe for some of us, maybe think about it in the context of your prayer life. Some of us, I think, have a tendency to pray to God to pray to Jesus only as God. We think about Jesus as being transcendent, which he is. He's cosmic and he's massive. He's the creator of all things, of everyone and everything. Jesus is God. He is the creator. Sometimes we can only think about Jesus from that lens and we can forget the fact that Jesus, Jesus cares about the small details of your life too. There isn't anything too big in your life that you couldn't pray to Jesus about and he have the ability and the power and the love to answer, and there isn't anything too small in your life that Jesus doesn't have the desire to answer and to meet you uh, in. He is both totally transcendent and totally personal. He is completely God and he is uh, completely man. Jesus grew up. He was born a baby and he grew up. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He went to the cross and on the cross, he became sin on our behalf. Everything that you've ever thought, everything that you've ever felt, every sinful inclination and motivation of your heart, every evil action, every sinful action that you and I have ever committed was put onto Jesus over 2,000 years ago, once for all, and paid for in full. He became sin, though he knew no sin. He died, and he was buried. And three days later, God, in his power, raised his son back to life. And in so doing, Jesus, once for all, defeated sin, defeated death, defeated Satan, and defeated hell, all on our behalf. And now, in light of that wonderful reality that Jesus has done for you and I what we can never do for ourselves so that we might be forgiven and that you and I might walk in the garden with him uh, again, he calls us to one thing, repentance. Not to be better and do better, but repentance. Repentance is not so much about turning from something bad, though it is that. It's not, not less than this. Repentance, though, is more. It's about turning to a person. So the primary focus of our repentance this Christmas season, whether you're a non-Christian or a Christian, the primary focus of our repentance ought not be on primarily what you're repenting from, those bad things, but who you're turning to. Jesus, the person of Jesus. He is wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting Father. He is always fatherly in His care for you and in His care for me. He's the Prince of Peace. There is no greater peace than the peace we have when we commune with and walk with and enjoy relationship with the person of Jesus. He is good and gracious. He is our shepherd. He alone provides hope, peace, joy, and love. 
The love that you and I need this Christmas is found not in what we do, but in a person and what he's done on our behalf. So uh, in response, here's how I want to give you a few different ways that you and I can respond to the gospel message this morning. Okay, so parents, adults, kids, grandparents, uh, I want to give you uh, three ways that you and I can respond in light of the gospel. Number one is that we could hear this news and we could reject him by continuing to search the world or our own heart for love and for hope. So we could hear the message of Jesus, that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to save sinners and sufferers and bring us back to God. We could hear that message and we could reject it. We could reject it functionally in the sense that we say, like, theoretically, yeah, I believe those things, but functionally we continue to live as if we've got this thing. Like, if we just do better, if we try harder, if we, if we get ourselves up off the ground and, and we try to be a better person, then, then we, can, we can get it. That's, one, that's, a, that's a functional way to reject Jesus. That's one option. Option number two is we could receive the person and message of Jesus with enthusiasm and excitement alone. And I think this is a much more common response for us uh, today, maybe in the context that we live in in Texas, that we can hear this message, we can hear about Jesus, and we can receive him with enthusiasm and excitement alone without taking the posture of Mary in our passage. We can get excited maybe about what Jesus can do for us. Maybe Jesus can make me a better husband a better wife, a better father, a better child, a better friend, a better worker, whatever the thing is, Jesus becomes a mean to an end instead of the end itself. And so we can receive Jesus with a lot of enthusiasm and it fade away over time. This is what the parable of the soils in the book of Matthew is about. And then the third option is we can take the beautiful posture of the young teenager in our story. Think about Mary's posture. This is what Luke says. It says that Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. Mary, Mary didn't just hear the words of the angel, become really excited about it, and then walk away and forget what the angel said. But in the midst of the chaos, and man, we live in it, okay, we're experiencing it. In the midst of the chaos, Mary stopped, she slowed her mind, she slowed her heart, and she considered these things. Ray Ortland says that to treasure and ponder meant that she said something like this to herself. So I want you to, to really tune into me uh, uh, over the next moment. To treasure and ponder meant that she said something like, I must never forget what God has shown me. I will guard this in the deepest recesses of my being. What God has done is the treasure of my heart. Friend, you're invited to that posture right now. This is not about you doing better. This is not about you being a better person. Don't make 2024 an opportunity for you to be a better person. Not that that's evil to want to be a better person. But, but would you and I, by God's grace, choose this morning to take the posture of Mary, to slow down and to ponder these things, that we might treasure up the person of Jesus and what he's done on our behalf in our hearts. It is unto us, friends, sinners and sufferers, though we are, that the Savior was born over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Will you receive and treasure God's gift of love to you this morning? Let's pray together.